0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Yoga Living Project, a podcast where we explore what it means to live your yoga. On today's episode, Amber and I sit down with our father, Randy Richmond, who is the uh, kind of behind-the-scenes unsung hero of Cambio. He's the third wheel and perhaps one of the most important spokes of that wheel. Wait, he's not the third wheel. <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, we discuss things uh, from being a Vietnam vet, retirement, yoga. Hope you enjoyed the listen. Here you go. Okay, we're recording. So hi, this is the Fires Podcast. All we got And we can edit whatever we the want. The
1: what podcast?
0: The first, po- oh. this isn't the first podcast. <laughs> so this is the Yoga Living Another Project pod. podcast.
1: Yes. And,
0: and we've got uh, Randall Lee Richmond. We're going to have to shut the windows, I can already tell, because he can't stop watching the traffic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right. Well, it's smells fun to watch.
1: He's like a, uh, we sometimes th- call him our teenage father. He's a little um.
2: I'm juvenile.
1: Well, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which
2: has kind of kept me young.
1: It has, probably. Yes, he's very young at art, which we love.
0: So, Dad, uh, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Yeah, we had a great lunch, Amber and I.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And we're ready to do this podcast thing. So, my first podcast. I'm kind of excited and nervous. And
0: okay. Well. Let me ask you a couple questions. So you, you're what, 68 now? 68. You're retired for a couple years? Yeah. And you moved here to Colorado, what? Two two years ago. Two years ago? Yeah, Last month. almost two years to the day. And in retired life, what have you found to be challenging? And what have you found to be, I guess, moving to Colorado, it seems like you've kind of got into a groove in the retired world.
2: Yeah, Uh, I think a nice thing about moving here was uh, with Cambio having so many nice people in it, I've met a lot of nice people that I've become fairly good friends with and therefore it's added a lot of, uh, you know, different avenues to my life to speak to these people. So it's fun having new friends and I think older people have a real rough time connecting to younger people. And, uh,
0: yeah, what, it, for people who don't know, you've Dad's officially become the, well, he's unofficially become the official meet and greeter <laughs> at Gambio, <laughs> specifically Sorry. Friday nights at 545.
1: Well, kind of like, you know how Walmart has the senior citizen greeters yeah. a lot That's of times? Right. He's, yeah. he's our greeter.
0: And nobody asked him to do that. That's the funny part <laughs> about it. <laughs> He just, he just was like, you know what? He came in one night when I was getting ready to teach a class, and a lot of people came in, and he just had a good time talking to everybody. And then he was like, I'll be here next week. And then he assigned a, the duty for himself. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's something I love about Dad is that, um, and Austin, you have this quality too. Neither of you have ever met a stranger. That is... And...
0: Especially Very true, true. Randy.
1: Yeah, and something I said to Dad recently that cracked me up. I said, you know, something about his confidence, and he said, "Who said I'm confident? I've just got a big mouth." <laughs> and I think that that, <laughs> that served him well, though, because he meets people and he he really just he finds he does what he enjoys in life, and he doesn't yeah. have, he doesn't wait for someone to to invite him to do something.
0: No, he, he usually invites them. In. He invites them.
1: Yeah.
0: Which I'm glad though that he has moved here and come into the embrace of the yoga community because he doesn't do yoga per se, but we were a little worried about him when he first retired because he would just like, you know, be like, call him and be like, what's up? Not much. I went to the grocery store this week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, what did you eat today? And he's like, oh, I had a can of spinach. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and a Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. I am what I am. You are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's been yoga uh the Campbell's being good for the old man, so. Yeah, I can't complain.
1: Well, about it about. definitely keeps you busy and it's yeah. been really helpful having you there because um you know, we've gone through a transition in the past 2 years there too mm-hmm. with um the other owner moving yeah. and leaving the business um, having dad step in and help out with stuff has, has been really awesome
0: yeah he's really become like the, kind of the, the unsung hero of keeping that place afloat in all the behind the scenes manner mm-hmm. of daily duties and all the dirty jobs nobody else would want to do that he seems to kind of delight in but that's also I think par for course for his personality type just always talking to him growing up about work dad tell me about your what is your what am I trying to say not motto but what is your when it comes to work philosophy, philosophy. philosophy. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Uh, what's your philosophy of work
2: uh, you just work for the man that is painting and do the best job you can do I've always said that uh, if you don't like it then go work for somebody else that was my philosophy and when I went into management, you know, you try to get the job done with all the people that are working for you and uh, try to have them a goal set. If people don't have the goal, then they should go someplace else. I, I understand that making money is a high priority on everybody's life, but, uh, you know, if you're not happy with it, then maybe you should try something else. And I did.
0: I, I worked a lot of different jobs growing up. But you you have a very uh, you have a work ethic unlike most people. Like even when you were working a full time job, you would take on rat jobs and work nights and weekends with Bill when we were growing up.
2: Yeah, you have to do what you got to do. I mean, it's just that easy. You know, it's it's like uh, you work for a goal, and then if it doesn't come through, you change and go another direction mm-hmm. to. You know, you may not like it, but if you can teach yourself to like it, I think it makes life a lot easier as you're going through it until you find a job that uh, you do like. Mm-hmm. But you can't go through hating, and you're right, I, I try to always make myself get into the job and throw myself into it so that it was not something, uh, hey, you work and it's third of your life every day you know eight hours so Mm -hmm. well i hate it learn something about it throw yourself into it and you'll find something that you like
0: well i know growing up you and i had a lot of conversations about this but right now there's this huge trend in all the kind of entrepreneurial world and self-help books talking about finding your dream and making a living out of it and you your number one passion most of your life has been fishing and i've always asked you about you know about that following your dream as far as you know Way to make money, and um, I just always think you have an interesting take on that. So, could you talk a little bit about?
2: Uh, Well, uh, whatever you do uh, for a living, I mean, my philosophy was if you really enjoy doing something like I did fishing or or whatever you do, skiing or or just talking or whatever your passion is uh, to enjoy yourself, then I don't think you can take that whatever it is like my fishing as something I probably couldn't do every day and, and maintain the same passion for it that I have <laughs> now and or then. I've never made it my occupation to go fishing every day or if I lived in a lake, uh, you know, I would think going out and boat every day would be monotonous. You have to have something that takes you away and fishing was my takeaway and along with hunting, uh, bird hunting uh, I like doing it a few times a year because, it, you know, you see if you can make it. <laughs> but anyway, but fishing is not as strenuous and it, uh, it, I don't think you can do something every day and maintain it, I mean, and maintain it being the thing that takes you away, gets you from your problems because then it'll become your problem if you're doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to have something to take away from the what you're doing to mentally.
0: To live a balanced life.
2: Yeah. Right? Well, I don't, yeah, balanced sounds good. Yeah. That that's my take on it. I think I've always told you that. hmm you know, it's like if if it's something you have to that you're doing every day, it's not a, it's not a pleasurable. It's not something that becomes pleasurable. It's you're taken away from it. Hmm. I think. Yeah. Um. You have to. You gotta have something to take you away from what you doing.
0: Making yeah, friends, I think there's definitely you know,
2: a... Making new friends is another way of... Doing give
0: it. and take. I yeah. Mean,
2: yeah. So, I think... Uh, coming back to Campbell, I think that's, you know, been very helpful to me moving out here. Amber, he was asking me. Uh, yeah, making all these new friends. You don't have to be, you know, they're... You don't have to be seeing them every day or every other day or something. It can be something you see them, somebody once a month, but you get four or five of them, you know? And then, well, yeah, now you're seeing somebody new all the time. When you get five or six of those friends. Uh,
0: they're good for a couple of weeks?
2: <laughs> you're like a
0: two-weeker? <laughs> not, you get your two-weekers? Not good for
2: a couple of weeks, but like...
0: You know. Well, no, but you're good to see them once every couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. You don't have to... Uh, yeah, it's not like, hey, let's go... Shopping and let's go fishing every day, you know, like I got my fishing buddy and then I got Mm -hmm. my people i like to go out and be with ever so often. So, yeah.
1: Well, and something with the friends you've made, um, they're really from all different generations. Mm -hmm. Like, even Mm -hmm. I know one of your friends you're going to have lunch with on Mondays, Mm -hmm. 20. Mm -hmm. And um, what do you think that... Is that something that keeps you young or is there a value to having friends from different generations?
2: I I, I don't know. I never thought about it. I, they are all different generations from 20 to 50, 55, I would suppose, is the main majority of the friends that I've made. Uh, I don't see a lot of old peop, older people like myself to hang around or maybe... Yeah, maybe it's my... I don't look for them, but... Or, or the convenience of knowing these people, you know, and them. But anybody that you're a friend with, I think you have a connection with of some sort that you like about them, and they like about you. Hopefully, they like me, but and they're not doing it because I'm old. <laughs> 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 I go out with the old man. It's and,
1: their community uh, service. Uh, you know, I no, I really don't
2: want to be a charity case for any of these people. No, but you're not. Yeah, you know, uh, you want to be a, You know. Uh, You you just like them on a likable level. Mm -hmm. And you get to know them and they're they're all interesting. Every one of them has their own uh, story, has their own way of living life, you know, and from people who are hippies and people who are very business, you know, motivated. So uh, I think it's good to learn from everybody. I've always said, too, and I think you can verify this, that you can learn, you should, you, you learn from everybody, you pull from everybody and you form your own life policies. So. Uh, I try to learn from everybody from a twenty year old that I think she's a great gal and I think you know I can learn from her as well as as somebody my age mm-hmm. cause like, you know it does and she's very speaking of her she's very she's got a lot of maturity for her age and a lot of wisdom for her age and I think maybe you're born with some of that stuff and it helps me with Whatever I'm doing, <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: so uh, it's you know you never disqualify anybody. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I never have. It's never been my goal to say, "Oh, that person's made it," or and I really want to be friends with them. I I have a wide scale of friends from all different kinds of backgrounds, and being economically and economical, economic background and educational. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I've never been a one that really seeked
0: that out, or like you don't care what people do for a living. No, I don't
2: give a no. I don't
1: care. <laughs> he censored himself. Yeah, he did. I <laughs> he did.
0: Out. But you've, you you have always a made a point. You've always made that. Yeah, you are a sailor, and With I a actually mouth. we should hear a couple of sailing stories oh, before we this should, summer. Yeah. But you do. You you've always made a point to really. Where do you think? Because like you you've always been adamant about making sure that it's important that we know at least that you really drive home the point it doesn't matter what people do for a living that you judge a person based on who they are and their character or you accept or love them based on those kinds of things not how much money they make and do you think that what they did yeah. do you think that came from you in your humble beginnings like growing up on a farm in kansas or what where does that come from why is that become uh, part of your philosophy? really
2: i don't know i <laughs> I do remember as a kid saying, uh, uh, if I thought I ever made $10,000, this is how, you know, $3 an hour was a heck of a lot of money. And I do, You know, if I made $10,000, I would really have a mate. <laughs> and I was maybe 14 or 15 or 6 I don't know, somewhere in that neighborhood. When you're starting to think about being a man, being uh, responsible, of making a living, so I said, oh, if I make ten thousand dollars a year, I have got to, man. you know, I I know I did something.
0: Which and, your first job was how much did you make your first job an hour at the chicken house or my pickle factory? My first
2: job was a dollar an hour working for the city. I worked for the city in the summers from the time I was like a ninth grade in you a a clay ball, so I mowed all, there was like six parks in the city of knew and we were there and hired us boys in the summertime, like four or five of us. I can't remember exactly how many, maybe three or four. Anyway, we would. our job was to mow the yards and mow the parks and take care of cleaning the parks and cleaning the restrooms and feeding all the animals. Mm-hmm. Which they have buffalo, monkeys, uh, all different kinds of birds and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So with what our... Uh,
0: but didn't you work in like a chicken factory too? Uh,
2: well, I worked. For, well, I was in college. I worked my way. When I got, that was after I got back from oh, service. Okay. I worked for a chicken. Uh, we'd hatch every uh, uh, Tuesday and Thursday during the hatching season, which was in the wintertime. time. Usually, they were starting the spring, February, March. We would hatch ten thousand chickens every Tuesday and Thursday, and
0: then, And you've been. You've been kind of a journeyman your whole life. There's not like really any one thing mm-hmm. that you would consider yourself no, over a lifetime. I'm not
2: a, no, I'm not a striker of any sort of... You learn different things. And Which is
0: interesting because I think it goes in line with your philosophy about not judging people based on what they do because you've also told me that you felt like you and, and most people don't really come into their own until they're in their mid-30s. No. And
2: I still believe that, especially with men. Yeah, I don't think men are, uh, you know, make the transition from into a transition into adulthood uh, until they're in their thirties. Uh, I don't think you feel you're on your equal until you're in your thirties because it takes a while. You know, it's a, especially when I grew up; as a man's world. There was not as many women working as, as when I was fifteen or sixteen. You don't have a, you know, lot mm-hmm. of. Women did not work it was a, and then when they entered the workforce, it drove down uh, wages because mm-hmm. you doubled the amount of people to do what they were doing before, and you know you don't hold a grudge on anybody like that, but you, you, so it makes you nimble on your feet to go from one job to another mm-hmm. to see what you can learn or and, what you enjoy
0: and so then what is it about that time in your life when you were in your mid 30s when you felt like you came into your own since it wasn't based off of a professional aspect.
2: And I, I uh, you know, I, I just kind of came to the realization, hey, you know, I'm a man, and, and this guy, whether it be 50, 60, doesn't know any more than what I know, mm-hmm. or I can learn, and I can, I'm coming to my own that I can do anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I can learn it, mm-hmm. or I already know it. So, between the two, it's like, I don't care, I've got it now you know, whether I know it or not, you know, I think I started my own business when I was in the thirties, mid thirties.
0: Uh, and did it, you, did you like working for yourself better than working for somebody else?
2: Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, it's working for yourself is, is, is fine. It didn't bother me, uh, one way or another. Uh, I think you, you may have more problems working owning your own business because uh, you're always worried about something, you know, or something, uh, Believe it or not, competition is always greatest in small businesses than any place you go. Mm-hmm. Like the competition is just, uh, you've got to stay on top
0: of it. Every minute you've got to know what the changes are coming. Right. But in general, you never felt like, like you were held down in any way by working for somebody else? No. I always felt that in time I would be up there
2: uh, doing what I, if, if I wanted to work my way up, let's put it this way, I would be there. There was never any doubt in my mind that I would do it, whether it be construction or running a trucking company or owning our way. You know, I did kind of... When
0: I, th- I think that a lot of it comes down to, for you, the belief, your relationship with willpower. I think. Right? And tell me about your philosophy about willpower.
2: Uh, I, th- I think... Well, that's, willpower is, is something you learn as a kid, I think. You know, where you got it or you don't have it. it, it there are different degrees, of course, what your willpower is. But uh, being a firstborn, you have to learn a lot of things and be fairly tough. And, and uh, you, uh, nobody's there to tell you that, you know, you're going to get your ass kicked every day at school. You know, you learn that. And you need to learn where power. You either, you know, stand up for it. And I, I was never for bullies, and I always stood up for what I thought was right. I don't know why. I, you know, I, some people are that way, and some people are not. And I, I really don't know. You know, you stand up for yourself, and you get kicked, and you get right back up. Or some people are just killer, and they need actually people need people like to stand up for them. Mm-hmm. They need people to stand up for them. They can't do what I do or did or others like that have my mentality. My brother obviously said, I have the strongest willpower you ever see.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: so. I've said that too. I've never <laughs> yeah. in my life <laughs> met someone with willpower like you. What, do
0: you. what do you mean? Do you have any examples? Or? Well,
1: I just, you know, if he's determined to do something, he it will happen and he, yes. it, I, I mean, I just... Um, and it a, doesn't enter, right? No, it doesn't. You do, you and a do lot a of it relies of on um, kind of like this brute strength of of mind and body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I see that bothering you as you get older, because I think you get frustrated, um, like, helping me around my house, doing things like um, sometimes... The, you, things that you used to be able to power through, you have to pace yourself at now. and
0: You can't willpower through everything as you get older.
2: Yeah, that's another thing, too, is that I was very lucky. You, tell, you know, Austin, that's a good point, is that a lot of people can't willpower themselves through because their body doesn't allow them to do it. Mm-hmm. And my whole life, I've never had a limitation on my body. So with the two factors there, uh, you know you're given different you know you're given us you're, you're given your body and some people you know are uh, have a willpower to end in the, the body strength that doesn't hinder them. yeah so my willpower was always aided by my body power yeah. it's the two of them together uh, you know. Yeah, you need both and I, that's a good point by the way that's an excellent point because you do lose it when you get older mm-hmm. it's basically when you get uh, start getting your mid 60's you lose mm-hmm. your endurance you can have the same strength for a little while but you don't have the endurance because one we probably don't work on it you know physically mm-hmm. work out to keep it yeah you do and it is a little frustrating
0: Okay, is it working? Yeah. So to change gears here, you had some.
1: Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about some of your Navy stories. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I would like to reiterate uh, mm-hmm. or clarify on you know you asked me that, uh, about why I wouldn't I don't judge people for what they do is I have always made a point not even to ask because the reason I felt that way and I don't know where I picked this up at but I maybe. From the time I've been 16 years old, is I didn't want to be influenced by anything when I was making a judgment on people. I never been I would like I told you I never like be bullies and, and I never so I always say well I better judge these people on what they're telling me and face to face rather than when I got a preconceived idea about them, like if they were a doctor, engineer, or a common layman like myself or something. I didn't want to be influenced by. Outside forces of what they did. I'd rather uh, be a one-on-one. And that's why I think I've always had that philosophy of not really caring what people did. I've had doctors who are friends. I didn't even know them before. I've had people that owned, that they were big, you know. So I was never influenced by them before I, I knew what they do.
1: Yeah. You just uh, like them for who they are. I
2: liked them for who they were, their personality, or what they did in life. Uh, what they did as a person, not what they did in life.
1: The other side of the coin of that, I think, in a way, is something you do really well too, is um not taking things personally
2: yeah you can't get uh, yeah, you can't be about hurt over everything that goes on in life because th- you're going to get hurt and you're going to be people are going to either intentionally or accidentally hurt your feelings or you know. Uh, and and that's okay. What they get, believe is what they believe. And what you believe is what you believe. And you get to know that too, you know, uh, by knowing them, by knowing people. And you, you can't be hurt by it. You know, things will work out in the long run one way or another. So, yeah. I, I don't know how far, you know, I, That's about as far as I can take that. I mean, yeah. you either get hurt, or, and, and you will get hurt, but you, you got to learn to get over it. You can't go on, you don't hold a grudge, you don't, you just go on and and you either deal with it or deal with that person and move on with your relationship with them or you don't, you know. Some people you like, you know, you'll put up with more than others, I think. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: It's just like running a, it's just like when you're working with a group of people, there's always going to be somebody, a group, a, a, a sphere that you like better than another sphere, you know. It's just in the human nature. So, same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, stories. Yeah. <laughs> Which
1: one? Do, do you have one in mind that you want to share, or
0: or,
2: or do you? <laughs> you, <laughs> to, you,
1: can you, can you can share anything.
0: You can share the one about Mickey. Who?
1: Who's Mickey?
2: Wasn't it
0: Mickey, the Irish guy? Uh, the sign. I'm
2: That's drawing the, a blank on that uh, story. <laughs> this, you said What's you probably? gave him
0: a sign with his name on it, so his mom would recognize him.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> that's uh, I can't remember that, I don't think Mickey was his name, but yeah, <coughs> he wanted me to go. He was last night in the Navy, and we were in San Diego, and we were back from our first tour of duty of ten months. your tour of duty was about ten months when you were on the fire lines, so they you know you come back and uh um. I had joined, or perfectly timed, because I went in and I went over there, so I was going to get two tours over in Vietnam rather than just one. Lucky me. So anyway, <laughs> Gallagher, his name was Gallagher. Anyway, he uh, was getting us. So let's go out. And he, let's go out and get. Let's go out and party. My last night, I'm getting out, and he had been. I, I don't know. He'd been over there. He'd been over there. I think he had a couple tours over there also, but he had me. And he'd always you know, kind of taking me under his wing with some other guys that had already been over there that first tour. So you always do that, you take somebody under the wing usually, if you've been there and you come back. So anyway, he's, and, uh, he went down and he must have been running his mouth because he'd come back and I didn't hardly recognize somebody beat him like somebody's sick child. And yeah, uh, <laughs> is that Gallagher behind all those bruising bumps and lumps <laughs> in your face? And, he said, couldn't hardly talk. So he was always going good one about running his mouth. So, yeah. And uh, he left. And I said, When you get to the airport, put your name up so your mama knows who you are. Because <laughs> she ain't going to recognize you when you get home, buddy. <laughs> Say, Hi, I am Gallagher. Because <laughs> you're totally unrecognizable. So that was pretty funny. Well, I it was it's glad I didn't go out with him
0: that night. So I was getting confused. What was the one who, the day he departed?
2: Yeah, that's the same guy. When he walked oh. out the gangplank, he still had his spunk. The guy had spunk. He's beat to shit. And he's walking out the gangplank. <laughs> and the captain's up the front gangplank, and we're in the back gangplank, he said. And he shoots him the finger, and he says, fuck you and this Navy, and walked out. <laughs> out. <laughs> he walked out of the cabin. That's the last time I've ever seen Gallagher. Uh, but he was a character. He had spunk. He had he had fun, though his ass was kicked. He, was, he, he yeah he was a good guy. You got to give him credit. And somebody just waylaid on him though. They beat him
1: like a banjo. You know? <laughs> beat him like a banjo. That's another thing. Um, our dad has some of the best sayings.
0: Yeah, what are some of those sayings? Uh, well,
2: I it's hard to just sit here and bring them up because.
0: Well, you said you there's one...
2: That, the situation is, you know... Well,
0: right, but you got <laughs> tight as tight so- socks on a rooster. Yeah,
2: that's that's a construction yeah. term when we were... You're going to have to make... When you build something, make it like socks on a rooster.
0: Or, or, or you build it so it looks so like it did. grew there. Yeah,
2: same difference.
0: Or
1: tighter know, than a frog's bunghole.
0: Tighter than a frog's bunghole? Butthole, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: You, you've you said bunghole Bung in the hole. past, did which I, I think is funny. I probably change all my things. some yeah.
0: Some colloquialisms I'm pretty sure he just has made up. Like the, you feeling froggy? <laughs> you jump on in. Like FLZ right here on my chest. And it's like, what, what is FLZ? This is frog landing zone.
1: <laughs> we still don't understand what froggy means. Or, uh-huh. What does froggy mean, Dad?
0: You don't know.
2: If somebody's getting a little bit obnoxious or, you know... Mm jumping on, you know, what, like, landing in your zone, you know, you're what, getting, he's feeling a little too froggy to be doing this, so come on, jump in there, froggy.
0: What was the what was the story about the <laughs> the fight you got into that one night out when you were in Vietnam? Mm-hmm. The, there was a piano involved.
2: Yeah. That was that was strictly not my fault or um, but we ended up in a paddy wagon. and I kicked the shit out of him twice that night, but <laughs> uh, the guy from my, you know, our my division, he was there, and then we were listening to the piano guy, and he was uh, him and the piano guy, or somebody else standing around the piano was him, John, and I said Doyle, I, said, I think the name was Doyle, I said, Doyle. He was from New Orleans, so I needed. He wasn't that smart, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I said Doyle, you know we're in a nice place here. There's a grand piano and there's a cantaloupe and a libra, whatever. And I said, well, I'd kind of go like that. And the next thing, I I turned to look at somebody else and the next thing I know, he cold cocked me right in the mouth. And I had to start fighting him and I, <laughs> had I threw to. him in the pool that was next to us and then I threw him across the piano and then threw him in the pool exactly how it went. And then my buddy Harrison was there and he said, you better get out of here though. I think the MPs are coming. So, I can't remember, I think this was in Japan somewhere, but uh, anyway. The, we'd gotten out of there and then somebody came out and pointed me out and then they threw me in the paddy wagon and threw what, him in the paddy wagon and I kicked his ass for being stupid again. So, yeah, that was one of the stories. that uh, The Cantalara was tore up and <laughs> it, was, it was a mess and there were so many people. We'd been on the firing line for like a hundred days, and so they there were so many people picked up by the military police that that um, Didn't have room
0: they never they just
2: they they took us to you know they just took us back to the ship, and uh, that was about the last we heard of it. I think I had to do two extra hours or something mm-hmm. like that, extra duty they call it. Didn't even go see the captain. It was like somebody sent down the word, give them the idiots. Extra duty, <laughs> and that's what he did. And I never heard any more about it, but hauled around the paddy wagon and for a couple, two or three hours probably because they had no room for everybody. They just kept pumping them in the paddy wagon, and in, in the pokey, in the brig, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a pretty funny story. Yeah, but him and I never had a grudge. I mean, we're in the same division, and it never. Well, we're brought it up but, again, basically. But
0: you got in a lot of fights in Vietnam.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Outside, you know, on leaving yeah.
0: Not yeah. yeah well,
1: didn't a, you on the ship once? Wasn't there a boxing match or something? That was
2: no. That was in uh, that they had what's called Smokers. <laughs>
0: oh, the mm-hmm. Smokers. Yeah. And you yes. would
2: fight like twelve different weights. You would fight another ship, and then they would the crazy nuts would serve beer. I mean, you would be on one side. <laughs> there would be like eleven matches scheduled, right? But you'd be on one side, the ship would be on the other on all these bleachers and we had these smokers and uh, as the smokers went along, you thought you were a fighter too. <laughs> you were drinking John Wayne beer, oh yeah, okay so. <laughs> and, that was another one where we came out of the stands and and forgot the smokers. <laughs> it was like it was a f- total free for all between the two ships, coming kind of out of the stands on each side, meeting and it, it went on and then.
1: How could you tell you were fighting someone from another ship? Well, you knew
2: everybody. I mean, you knew. Everybody. Oh, you knew, knew everyone, everybody. everyone on your yeah, ship. your ship, whatever. You knew yeah. you. You per- and you know, you might have you might have took on a friendly fire hit there <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, yeah, that was fun. That was that was very entertaining, and I don't know what ever happened. I can't remember. There were so many people involved that I, that I know they didn't throw us all in the paddy wagon. I don't think I even went to the paddy wagon. So it was a lot of fun. No. <laughs> it
1: was a lot they, of fun.
2: We always said they got their ass kicked in the ring and outside the ring, <laughs> the other the other people. You know. <laughs> we were pretty good fighters, even though we weren't smokers, but in you know, the smokers, but uh, our ship had some good fighters. On good yeah we'd gone and, you know we were seasoned wasn't season. Tommy Morrison we were seasoned fighters
0: <laughs> you always talk about Tommy Morrison was it Tommy Morrison guy with big guns you used to fight with you remember that I
1: think that was Harrison uh,
0: no no yeah. O'Connor. Morrison O'Connor was his
2: name oh okay I, I can't remember yeah he was a good friend of mine oh. yeah yeah when we were in San Diego getting ready to go back he was the easiest going guy mellow going guy but when you were his friend, as you was friend, he had arms on him, uh, unbelievably big. He was just naturally a big fellow, pretty athletic to go along with his uh, strength. Yeah. You know, I seen him and I. Some guys hit us one time when we were going to the USO downtown in San Diego. Two other sailors or four other sailors hit us and tried to knock us down these long stairs. There was like two or three flights of stairs at one stair and. Uh, O'Connor hit him and took out all three of them, I think, with one swing. That's how strong he was. And he went rolling down the stairs. Like I say, they were extremely long stairs because it was way high up there. It was like he broke his hand on that one. I remember he broke his wrist or something like
1: that. I don't think I've ever heard that one. Never heard
2: it, yeah. Mm -mm. He was extremely strong and you didn't want to get hit by him because it was like lights out. He was (laughs) big. Probably six, two, three, four, something like that. He was a good, he was a good guy to go steaming with. He was a good steamer. Steamer. There was like three or four guys that I probably steamed with quite most of my time. That two years I was over in you know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: steaming buddies. Yeah. So he was one of them. Steaming
0: being like,
2: like when you went out, you knew. He, it, he you know, if you're growing out, you want to go with your steaming buddies or something. If they had liberty too, you know, depending on if they had liberty. You go, go out in the bars and go steaming, you know, from one bar to the other. And then you'd see them, you know. There's people you wanted to be with, basically, who was a steaming buddy. Mm. These are people, just like any walk of life, you know, just had a different name for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't you don't go out with people. You don't enjoy being there.
0: Well but steaming meaning like you go out drinking. Yeah. Huh? Pretty much. Yeah. Got
2: it. Partying, steaming, doing things together. Yeah.
0: yeah. Go out eating. What other what other stories were you thinking of? Um
1: well there's a few. Um but one that I think is a good one is when you um well, you have some hearing loss. Oh. So, um, and so Yeah. Uh, what's that from?
2: Well, when you're on the firing line, we've been on the firing line for anywhere usually from thirty days at a time to uh, three months and when you know, and so you get fairly tired. I mean you're you're up your sleep is in is interrupted all the time and you don't get any, if you weren't on duty you had to work between the hours of seven and four whatever they have to be. So you didn't get to sleep even though you might have had a duty all night on on the gun watches or whatever watch you you got. Sometimes you get really tired. In this particular watch I was on, um, uh, you didn't fire continuously on your watch a lot of times so you'd have breaks in between and I know I was extremely tired. I was extremely tired so I'd pull a bullet over and I laid down my head on it and I think I fell asleep and the guns in front of us were right on... The deck, so I was pretty much level with them, I and mean, they fired a three gun salvo. And they just fired all all the guns all at one time of that one turret, and it, I swear to God, it lifted me up and slammed my head back down on that bullet that I had fallen asleep on, and I couldn't hear nothing because it was like holy crap, that was right underneath those uh, guns as they went off. You uh, know, it was like that was the last time I did that. For sure,
1: <laughs> you uh, learned your lesson. I didn't go to
2: sleep outside. It was like if I was going to try to catch a cat nap, it was on the inside. And uh, but it was so hot that it was like you know it was a pretty good little sleep. And it didn't matter if you were sleeping on a hard ass bullet or you know whatever else you, you slept when you could. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you know you took they took you, know, you took care of everybody when it was one year trying to fire, but you didn't you couldn't hear the other. Usually you hear a beep 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 boom. <laughs> you know, it's like it was too late by the time you hear the second beat, like you like you were and it lifted me completely up and threw me slamming back. And it probably lifted me up. I'm probably exaggerating. It felt like a foot and then back down on it. And my hearing was completely gone. Yeah, that was that's a true story. That's <laughs> an absolutely true story.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
2: What'd you say I can't hear you now.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and he won't wear his hearing aids, which ah, yeah, is, yeah, that's oh, another story because yeah, yeah. he I, doesn't yeah. like to hear how loud he is.
2: Yeah, that's right. I'd rather be in non-compliance
1: than compliance on the hearing. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of war? Since I've you've been through one,
2: it. I really didn't even want to go. Back in those days, it was you were drafted. You had no choice. You were an indentured servant, so you had no choice. As today, you. Make the choice to go. Uh, yeah. Uh.
1: Well, I think it's interesting too with the thing about choices today. There's welcoming parades and mm. or greeting committees mm. and all kinds of stuff when the soldiers get home. But back then, you didn't have a choice a lot of the time, and no one. It, you'd be lucky if anyone was there to pick you up, and. Yeah. No, I mean you, there was nothing, right?
2: No, as actually when I got out, the uh, protesting was going on, getting going real strong, and actually it started out before I even got back. The protest college protest started. I don't know, sixty nine. I think I got out in seventy or seventy one. I can't remember, seventy probably. But uh, anyway, uh, no, there was nobody there. It was like if you were done. Like I was done with my second tour and we got back, I just walked down and jumped into a cab. Now, to follow this up, <laughs> they had some kind of ceremony this summer actually that I went to. And it was out at Fort Carson and, this, and it was welcome back. Well I never really knew what that meant, I thought they were talking about somebody else. They had all us Vietnam veterans there, I don't know. And so we, they had us parading around and then they were gonna have some talkers there. All the kids that were in the military, they were, you know, and they said, welcome back. And I said, well, wow. <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about. And then they started talking, this is a welcome back because you didn't get a welcome back.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I didn't really understand But, yeah, this is what this welcome back Vietnam thing is that they've got going on through the United States the last six months, eight months, whatever.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: anyway, yeah, that's exactly right. We never had a welcome back, and that's what they're doing now. I didn't really understand it until they explained yeah. it I said, well, I've been back for 50 years. <laughs> I was, what the hell are you talking about? Welcome back. <laughs> mentally, maybe, yeah, I don't know. No, I was like, That was nice. I mean, it was nice that they recognized that none of the Vietnam, and there was a lot of, uh, uh, that Vietnam veterans that probably needed attention that they didn't get attention
3: mm-hmm. mentally,
2: uh, like they know are up now from Iraq. Afghanistan, a lot of people need help, but uh, a lot of them need them just as much. Here's an interesting fact that I do want to, yeah, I will get you down to. Um, uh, one of the reasons the Vietnam people had so much problem is when you did your tour, you did a, the average uh, fighting was 240 some days a year. Even World War II, the Veterans Only Act, act were there 40 days, average 40 days of fighting a year. Wow. as compared to 240 for a Vietnam veteran. Hmm. And you can see where it probably affected even yeah. my age group more than, because they fought. It was extremely hard for them, you know, to be in constant b- combat 240 days out of a year. It may not be, you know, they may get a few days off here. And like, yeah. So, you feel like yeah, the welcome back was a funny thing to me, you know. Is that, and, and they were exactly right. There was nobody there. Mm-hmm. I hopped a cab, and went to the train station, and came back to this. La Junta, Colorado. La did La
0: Hunta. you now? You mentioned that amount of days in combat. Did do you think you ever suffered from PTSD at all?
2: No, I never felt that I did. Yeah, I had. I had dreams that I. My worst thing was I had dreams that I was re-drafted. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> back to college. I had gone back to college and. I would suppose I had dreams for a while. <laughs> oh, damn! I already... Hey, wait! You made a mistake <laughs> in my dreams. You know, I, was saying, I I already been here. I don't, you know. No, uh-huh. we're, we're changing the rules. You're coming back in. Oh, lord! And so I would visualize people that were I had been with in the Navy and seeing them again in my dreams, and it kind of reinforced the fact that I was being redrafted, <laughs> or that um. I was there again. Yeah, we've seen yeah. those people
1: but well and not I mean like you were just talking about um, <laughs> most people didn't come out of it so unscathed yeah, I, I, mentally and emotionally
2: I, yeah I, it's kind of a unknown it's an unknown factor because they didn't keep track of people like they do now so we really don't know we really don't know
1: well and that's part of why, and, you, why you make sandwiches for the homeless guys now
2: uh, yeah, I started out, well, uh, Austin and uh, Laura and Kevin started out giving sandwiches and I thought, ooh, that's a great idea, so I kind of scavenged onto that idea from them last year. I never really, that's not my own idea, but I just, uh, I've uh, kind of continued it to last year. I'm <laughs> doing sandwiches every other week, uh, maybe once a month during the summer, but uh starting up again. And a lot of people have seen, you know... Well, I found out it's not so much veterans as it is younger people. There are some older people, but there's a lot of young people out there that need help. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's been an eye-opener to me that at first I thought they were mostly <coughs> old Vietnam veterans like myself, and, but yeah, it's, a, it's a big mixture. There's a lot of youngsters out there that need help, so it's been an eye-opener,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that sandwich thing. It's a good eye-opener. So, and fun. Those people are very appreciative, by the way, uh, with, yeah, yeah. as well as you all know. You've all done your, your sandwich thing too. So with people, so
0: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so you know, it's, it's hard to say. So you think? Um, so you spent a lot of time playing baseball. So there was a long time you were an athlete. That was a huge part of your life. Mm-hmm. You were a sailor. Mm-hmm. Now you're a Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. um, and most of your life you were kind of a blue collar worker. Yeah. Um, but yet you've kind of defied labels and identifying yourself as any one thing most of your life. And I wonder if that has to do with, uh, the fact that maybe at heart you're really more of a, uh, a scientist because you love the stars and, and the universe so much. And that, that's kind of at the heart of your philosophy in life. So what, would you tell us a little bit about that and your passion with it and how that came to be and what, what your philosophy is about it?
2: I I uh, would say that maybe it got started when I was in Vietnam and I had a buddy who said everything evolves around, he said, do you know what? the whole world evolves around us and everything else and he said, and Harrison was his name, a crazy guy uh, and him and I were in the same amount of time, maybe he's in longer but uh, he was one of my Stephen buddies, he says, what is it? I said, well, I don't know. And I guess, I said, E equals MC squared. He says, yeah, that's it. He said, the whole world runs around that. So I had never been much in a study it before, at all, period. And so that maybe got me started a little bit. Not necessarily in Vietnam, because you don't have time, but, you know,
0: in there. And
1: you didn't have the internet.
2: Yeah, and then when you get older, you don't. But so really, the, you know, the last few, I don't know how many years I've really got into the Universe thing, and and uh, and uh, it was—it's it, just been a kind of a gradual build up to where I—you've
0: come, come up with—I really got
2: into it. And I enjoyed. Well,
0: and you've come up it. with your own philosophies, like the universal heart.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, well, it's kind of like a natural w- progression in the. Fact well,
0: will you explain? That, yeah, explain what that is.
2: Yeah, I was telling somebody about this the other day. I can't remember it was not anyway. Uh, uh, I think when the universe is continuing expanding, actually they think is expanding, picking up speed as it's expanding. The universe itself is itself expanding, not necessarily the planets and us in it, the planets and us in it, the suns, but the whole universe uh, is expanding at an increasing rate. So I think we're you know we're a part of the universe, and so uh, when you have uh, a love, uh, uh, you. you can't be afraid of uh, if I love this person like a son or a daughter or a, or a friend, you know, you can't be afraid because your heart has the ability to expand. Like when you love somebody else into your life, you already bring somebody else in life. Perfect example is when you have kids, it doesn't diminish the love for this one, it doesn't work this way. Amber's the first one born, Austin, the second one born. When Austin was born it didn't take away my love for Amber, I, my love expanded uh, to us and I was saying, wow, yeah. Now I understand what the old people said. They said it doesn't matter, you don't, you know, you love everybody the same as what, what their saying was. It didn't, they didn't correlate to the universe like I have to you, but then they also appreciate looking at the Milky Way at night. I used to sit out there with my grandfather when I was like five years old and we would look at the Milky Way. Whether I was really seeing the Milky Way or just seeing a whole lot of stars, I don't know, it doesn't matter to me. To me, that was the Milky Way. And I always thought, I always appreciated looking at my grand, with my grandfather at the Milky Way out on the farm uh, in Chenoo. So, we would look out there, not every night, don't get me wrong, but it was a, not a ritual or anything. It's just sometimes we would end up out on the front little stoop, porch and uh, be looking out there and all we would do was look at the stars. How many stars are out there? I often wondered. And he said, I don't know. There's a lot, you know, so. Uh, I've always appreciated looking at the stars and looking at the sky and it's kind of developed in the, this great thing about it with this Hubble's telescope and stuff like that, it's opened up a lot of things that maybe I have not thought of and, and, and think of now, but I always uh correlated love with the universe Mm -hmm. and uh we're part of the universe we're part of moonbeams you know uh, moon stars you know stars stardust stardust we're stardust yeah i like Mm -hmm. that even better moonbeams not really Mm -hmm. right but interesting thought moonbeams don't even leave a shadow so how do we know
1: oh yeah well and you also it's influenced the way you see uh life after death
2: yeah, I think with, you know, your atoms of. I think I had a Austin uh, and I had a talk one time. Let's come back from St. Louis. Um, yeah, I think you uh, recycle your molecules, your atoms, or whatever. Uh, you, they're never they're never gone, no matter what. But we are what we will be always, and you may be in strained out forms, but. That happens to the universe all the time. You get strung out. Uh, Black holes are the center of everything. Gravity is the center of everything. I do believe gravity is how our universe is sustained in and and actually how it was began. I mean, without gravity of some force of some nature, there there is no us. You know. So whether it be, and I don't think there's a whole lot of. I'm not. You know. My philosophy not to differ with somebody who's got a religious philosophy of one maker I, you know I, it's all fluid it doesn't matter really I that it's it's all there I mean it might be gravity, who knows But I think gravity they will find that gravity is the center of everything and, and uh, the reason the universe may be expanding is because there's something outside of us that even bigger gravity than because you would think that all the as big as the you know, galaxies are and everything that they would eventually come together once or not, you know, mm-hmm. uh, something's there. Mm-hmm. So, you got a universal heart. That's yeah. I'm coming back, I'll wrap it up there.
3: <laughs> and you do, and you have a
2: capacity to love without taking away. And it doesn't have, matter how many times you do it, it could be somebody you love, mm-hmm. somebody's a friend, your, your, your mate. And it can be kids. You don't take away. It adds to your life. Mm-hmm. And the more you add to your life, that's why I like to know what friends are, because I think you know, they, they add to your life. And, and it's not going to take away from the other part of your life mm-hmm. that you like, or maybe you might even learn something to add on to there. You know, you're going to, the gravity of yourself and your heart is going to expand.
0: Well, I think that's kind of like the fundamental uh, thing about yoga is relationships. And so I think it'd be fun to ask you what your take on yoga is.
2: My take on yoga is the people that go to yoga are, um, let me say this, the people that go to yoga are some of the finer people that I think you can meet and be with. I'm not saying you've got to hang out with them, but when you're there, and I'm not saying that you can't, because you might form a relationship with somebody. That, hey, i like to have coffee with that person. Or i like to have cupcakes. <laughs> 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 Jay, you know, or, you know, and Jenny and uh, Suzanne, I don't know, whoever. But, yeah, you can make it expand if you want. Or it just makes you happy to see those people because you know that those people, birds of a feather flock together. And uh, I think other people are a fine flock of birds because they're... Uh, seem to have a really good positive attitude when they come in there. Hey, I know everything's not always as it seems, don't get me wrong, I know that. Nothing's as it seems, but I'll tell you what, for having a good time and having... Uh, people seem to lay down their troubles on one side and go in there and they've got the positive attitude, which is 90% of everything, you know have an operation, they always say, attitude's everything. And I'm sure they're meaning positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? So, you know, it's the same way with, with life. If you have a positive attitude, people will really get garner to you. You know? Uh, so, I think that's what is nice about people who go to yoga or practice yoga, whatever you want to say it. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of people come through, and I tell you what, the pe- uh, the teachers are awesome. The uh, I don't even want to get to name them because I forget somebody.
1: Yeah, well, and there's almost 50, so... Yeah, and I don't
2: know all of them, but I can tell you this, the most part of them I know. I would know the percentage. Higher percentage of them, therefore, and, and there's not a one that I I don't feel that there's they're bringing something to the table better than what I have. So I enjoy getting there from them. And you know who you are if you're listening,
1: <laughs> you, you all do. know yeah, who you I, are. Yeah. But yeah, that so, what do you think based on what you know about yoga and what you've seen about with yoga practitioners? Um you know I think you have some stuff in common with the way you live your life and we like to ask on this um you know what does living your yoga mean and so you know just based on how you live your life and what you know about yoga what what does that mean to you
2: Well I think and I have gone to yoga classes before I had my operation, so mm-hmm. I have a little bit of experience. It's yeah. not like I've never been, so
1: oh yeah. In case.
2: but I like to my I like get my muscles stretched out because as you get older, it's, your muscles tend to shorten. I think once you stretch it out in yoga, it feels good, and it probably maybe for your whole life, even younger. You know, since I didn't do yoga, I can't speak to it as a young man, but I can certainly speak to it now sure it works for all ages but yeah it stretches you out but the the thing I really liked about it was I would get in a place in my mind that I felt really good when I did it and uh, it would I would come out of it feeling really really good it's almost like fishing When you're concentrating on something so strongly that you forget everything else. You forget you forget the problem your kids are having, that you're having, you forget everything, you know, I have nothing was entering my mind as in when I'm fishing because I'm concentrating so hard on catching that fish or figuring out how to make that bait work so it looks natural so that face should be uh, one it's the same way when I was in the yoga classes and I must say yeah it, it almost every yoga class I took I felt so because I was able to free myself of any of the anxieties or problems that I might be feeling and it made me feel good okay you felt freaking good when you come out of there just like you do when you're fishing or you're hunting. Sorry, I do hunt, but uh, just birds. But yeah, uh, same same thing. If you can focus on something and take it off of it, then maybe you're able to, when you come out of it, figure out what the problem is and how to fix it.
1: Maybe. Right. So it calms the the waves of the mind. Oh
2: yeah, you're relaxed. Calming, relaxed.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yoga definitely does that. Um, and and, and I, that's I like that last 15 minutes, you
1: know, or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, I think everyone does. That's how we you know, get like, them to come back. You <laughs> would say
2: yeah, uh, yeah, okay, just think. Of, you know, so yeah, I would. So yeah, and I think that's why people really, really get into yoga. I had a friend. Well, I had a friend that worked for me in Kansas City before. You guys started all this yoga stuff up years ago. And he said, My wife goes to yoga three, four, every chance she get, three, four times a week. And he says, She's really hooked on it, you know? And so I knew there was something about yoga before I even knew about yoga. So uh, I'm not the only one that feels like this, is what I'm, I guess I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he told me about his wife, and she was. Religiously stuck to it. I mean, mm-hmm. she. He said she goes to yoga no matter what she feels like because she comes back feeling good. I mean, that's that's what yoga meant to her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, and I can understand it. Yeah, you know, I can. You got the right teacher. You got the right class. Feel good. it's, it's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's a an inner peace thing I think uh, making you feel good that you hey, I want to go back that made me feel so good I want to go back mm-hmm. yeah and why not why not do something good for yourself so anyway like me I would like to go fishing I'd, Bill and I now that I got a buddy you know I go every week or something like that. fish. you know fishing is a lot harder you know it's, it's easier to go to a yoga studio than it is to go drive mm-hmm. two hours up the mountains and sh- stand in the stream and stuff but it's the same experience to me Mm-hmm. In the water, it's a good. I don't know. That was a good post the other day. That that moment of that water will never be there again. Mm-hmm. On that Facebook post, I, I would just I don't know if I can get back to it. But that I think I'd uh, already figured that pretty much out. I think I told Austin about that very philosophy years ago, five or six years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you always talked about looking below the surface of the water. Yeah,
2: too, right? yeah. You always got to look below. Mm-hmm. Don't look on the surface of anything because that's going to be the shiny sunlight that's going to be the everything that's going to be uh, uh, fool's go you want to look in and see what's going on underneath it and what's the turbulence what's moving what's not what's there what's not uh, you got to be able to look into the water and train yourself because it's easy it's very easy not to be to just look at the top and see the glimmering and the little waves or the waves, depending on whether you look at the ocean. I, look, I spent two years on the water in the Navy, so yeah, I know you know that you can have a lot of different looks of the top of the water. That's not necessarily mm-hmm. what's going on underneath, because you don't know.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, and that really comes full circle to your the way you see people.
3: Yeah, I guess. Which yeah. is kind
1: of cool uh, for this conversation. Mm-hmm. I like that, because
0: yeah and well and i think even more like just knowing you and you know when you were a kid how you you know you looked up to like superman was your hero Mm -hmm. and it was it wasn't because like of you know it was and it kind of like ties right into your kind of ability for willpower and your belief your whole life that the mind can rise above the matter and and now that you're old and it's shifted a little bit and you're looking beneath the surface and seeing something different as you were talking about like the water moving past you. Um, I guess it just makes me wonder, you know, also coupled with this idea of not really identifying as anything your whole life in terms of being a profession. Like I'm not a baseball player, I'm not a sailor, I'm not, you know. But you are all these things at the same time. Um, I guess the question I'm getting at is what, what kind of legacy... Or what words of wisdom, what do you think is the most important thing um, for you to pass on?
2: Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, worrying about a legacy uh, is, is my problem. I think the legacy is in your eyes after I'm gone, or my friend's eyes or people I've met here. I'm not, legacy's never been a concern of mine i am never worried about what people would thought of me, or think of me, after I'm gone. Uh, you know, that's, you know, you want to be... You just try to do the best you can do with, you know, with your family, and, and you know, you're not always right on that, trust me, but... Uh, you know, you just try to do what's best for you, and then hopefully that's what's best for everybody that's around you. Uh, may not be. It can't be everything to anybody. Everybody has their own set up uh, definition and, and perimeter of, of what their life should be, mm-hmm. you know, at that particular point. And the problem is, each point is different. It's kind of like the, the water thing, that piece of water that I've told you about that's maybe my item, you know, that that's in the moment. And you're in the moment. So, mm-hmm. you know, your moment's not my moment, but you're in, <laughs> you know, hopefully... Our moments get along fairly well.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's good, you know, I like so, that. <laughs> you know,
2: as my water going by, is you know, that moment and never be there again. So, you, you accumulate all your moments and, you know, you just try to do the best you can do. That's not always right.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm
2: sure it's not always best for the person that you're raising or the person that you're with as a, you know, your significant other or whatever. Um, You know, you, you just have to really take care of yourself a lot. And then others, you take care of others as you go. If you take care of yourself, usually you'll take care of others. Mm-hmm. Not always, but usually. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very
1: yeah. true. Yeah.
2: Just, uh, you know, you wonder why. You wonder why maybe you don't have a good relationship, or you don't. Or you do, you know, or where it goes. But you can't worry about that either. It, you, you accept what it was and take from it and go on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people worry about it. well, that,
0: that. It's never been a concern. Yeah, dude, you're totally a yogi and you didn't even. I'm a yogi and you, you didn't are. even know it. I didn't even know it.
2: All right. Yeah.
1: So. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you, Dad. Mm-hmm. It's so. I, one of my favorite things is to talk to you and hear your stories and get your perspective on life. So it's been fun to have you share that in a way that we can share with other people. And that we can have, yeah.
0: yeah, is there anything else before we before we end that for anybody listening out there that you want to want to share or say in terms of
2: no, final thoughts? I, I think I'm about <laughs> I'm more out talking <laughs> 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 I, I, you know, you know you, you can't judge people until you know them, and so on you know I, and you really not kids should judge them anyway, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get to know them, hey, you either like them because of what they are, and you quit judging them, you know. Yeah. So, Either you do or you don't. So mm-hmm. I think that's what I've, the whole talk's been about. Yeah. Basically, relationships mm-hmm. and and what you do for yourself with yoga and fishing and whatever. hmm That's it. I and some of the stories may be exaggerated too. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Take them
1: from our gospel truth, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the themes still come through. Yeah. So uh, pretty much.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty
1: much. Awesome. Cool.
3: Right. Well,
0: Thanks, love Dad. You. Love you too. Love you too. All right. Thanks. Well, there you have it. That's Randy Richmond's Philosophies of Life. His take on Vietnam. What it means to be a veteran. Relationships and yoga. Hope you enjoyed it. We look forward to getting the next one out to you and have a great day.